I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And this is The Food Fight, a frank discussion of food culture featuring Australia's top chefs, producers, and experts. We'll chat about real issues and go places others won't. This podcast travels throughout the country and we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we gather and speak. And we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. This week we spoke to Casey Wall from Bar Liberty about Melbourne becoming the most locked down city in the world, as well as our thoughts on the recently released World's 50 Best Restaurant List, and also find out the truth as to why he always wears a hat. Hope you enjoy Casey, have you got a big have you got a big hat collection? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's uh, every every dude in his thirties that are balding has a lot of hats. <laughs> I've uh, are they all? Uh, yeah, sorry. In in New York, it was mandatory for you to wear um, something, some hair restraint in the kitchen, like a hat qualified. Right. So, like I didn't know that. Um, yeah, the New York health department is a racket. They, I mean, you don't like here, you know, you get like whatever demerit points or, you know, you like, you know, you, you have to like fix this or, you know, do this better. And it's like pretty like helpful. And in and, and New York, it's like fine. It's fine base. So they come in and like, yeah. oh, your spoon vein is not in running water. So that's like a so hundred, how many hundred dollar fine. And then everything yeah. like that. So. Oh, one of the chefs touched their face while they were working. You know, that's a whatever hundred dollar fine, or it just adds up, adds up, adds up. Wow. Um, yeah, that's Jesus. just working. I mean, I mean, playing baseball growing up, but then like just working in kitchens nonstop, and you always had to wear a hat. It just feels weird. I honestly just thought that was like a style choice for New York chefs. Like <laughs> I didn't know it was like I had to do it. Just like any chef you ever saw had a hat. I'm like, maybe that's just a thing. No, nah, yeah, guy wears a hat. It's so much better than wearing like those little weird like cooking hats that are yeah, just yeah. Like, no, I don't know. Yeah, for cap or anything. Yeah, right. That just explains that. So after wearing them for hours, are they, are they mostly sports hats, Casey? Uh, <laughs> yeah, some of them aren't. Like uh, th- this one is a coffee shop in LA. Um, like a niche. niche. Um, yeah, I and, thought it was a sports team logo. Uh, it's like it's it the name like of the it. name of the place is Bicycle Coffee, so it's like a uh, uh, yeah, again a coffee mug. Yeah, and subscribes. yeah, nice. uh, oh, yeah. We got you. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, most of them are kind of sports based. I'm I'm a big baseball fan. I, I think as we talked last time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How's how's your uh, baseball memes page? Baseball <laughs> analytics <laughs> memes uh, page it's, going. It's going. It's going well. Uh, that just lives in my head. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's baseball it's, analytics like, memes, hey. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's pretty niche. Um, uh, it's still going well because we're not fully open yet. I'm sure <laughs> it's, it's thriving. It's thriving right now. I watched a uh, my team played in a four and a half hour game today, and I it, I was my stomach was turning the whole day. I was doing work and exercising and was watching it and just like. Uh, my partner works from home, so she had a Zoom meeting earlier. And my team hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth win- inning to win the game. And I was just going, man, wow. and she was texting me, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's hectic. Yeah, it was a great game. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
preseason. Is that is that about as long as baseball games go for? That's four that's and a half hours. Is that like a that's a long game. Yeah. And it was a very important game as well. So it was like uh, everything was methodical. Usually they're around two and two two hours and 45 minutes or so. Yeah, three right. hours. Basketball okay. games go like two and a half hours. And I'm always like missing the fourth quarter because I got to go to work. Like I watch three and then be like, fuck, I've got to yeah, go. Uh, the When I'm working and there's a game on, like there's no music in the kitchen. Yeah, we, we used to have that. Like Tom would Tom would have like one game on over like pastry section on his phone, like watching the Lakers and I have the Bulls over on meat section and the apprentices just have to be quiet. <laughs> That's it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm truth be told, I'm not huge into listening to music in the kitchen, but like mm. um I know it's that's controversial, but I don't know. I feel like I'm like affects me too much. I like a little bit in prep. Like service nah needs to be oh quiet. man no, never service sometimes like yeah i can't well like pack packed out you like yeah because we'd, we'd rarely have music in a day but like packed down like last table's gone or like if like the the front room it was once that cleared out when you no one could hear us then like tunes went on to clean down yeah for that, sure that's, yeah i'm okay with that if it gets people moving yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's my more favorite one um, casey did you just say music kind of distracts you in the kitchen yeah, it, it kind of throws me off. Like hearing someone. But, but watching a baseball game doesn't distract you. Or does that just distract you too? But you're willing to be distracted by it. But it's kind of like how Australians listen to, like, you, you know, I'm, I don't know any Australians that like sit down and watch cricket, like, but they'll listen to it. I feel like it's kind of like background noise in the house. There's walking mm-hmm. around. It's true. And that's no, kind of baseball. It's, it's a slow moving sport. Um, so you just hear, you know, like you get used to, like this announcer has been doing it for decades now. So I'm used to his voice. Um, comforting. It's, it's kind of comforting. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, okay. like, like with loud music, it, um, you always miss stuff. Like, you you know, you 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 cook a lot by listening to how things are going. And, mm. um, yeah. You know, it's like an under, underrated skill, that listening. Like I can like, if, if I've got my, maybe it's from like Kavo as well, you always like, all the you know, your, your burners right behind you and you're cooking you're, you're prepping on a bench like i can hear like how something's progressing is, is cooking like you can hear something in the pan like yeah, as much as, you, as like as much you can smell it or like or, or you see it yeah i usually hear it before i, I mean if you smell it it's going to it's yeah yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly yeah <That's> what's useful. <laughs> and you start hearing you know you're reducing something here it starts frying again you're like yeah we oh, get some you know pay attention or yeah underrated skill mm um so casey let's like before we start talking about some of these news items um how's things how's things down in in melbourne in the most locked down city in the world mm. yeah it's uh i mean congratulations <laughs> well done <laughs> brother melbourne yeah, yeah congrats we, by the way we, we tried really hard we uh <laughs> You know, we got out there and we protested and had footy parties and like grand final parties and stuff. We just really just wanted to drive this into the ground. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's such a ball. Like, I mean, everyone's just done mentally fried. Like, I, when we, like, I don't know, before we went back in this lockdown, we had a small lockdown. We came out of it. We had a day of zero cases. And, it was like this, everyone just felt so relieved. It's like, oh, we, we beat this um, Delta outbreak that's swarming Sydney right now. We're, we're finally coming out of it. And we were looking, we're like making forecasting plans. I ordered a shitload of like alcohol for the restaurants. And then it's just like next day, six cases. And then back, back in the lockdown shortly thereafter. And it's just like, no one yeah. saw it coming. It didn't really, it didn't build like the other lockdowns. And it just, everyone has been mentally fried this last one. I don't know anyone that's doing well. I know other people, are, like friends of mine in other lockdowns were like, oh, that's not too bad. I can focus on spending time with my kids or focus on work or, you know, use this time, make the most of it. And this one, everyone is just like, oh man, I'm, I'm done with this. This is, you know, we do what we have to do. We, we, we don't have people over, you know, we, we, we go by all the rules, but everyone's just so over it. You know, it's just. Yeah. Crazy. Having that like, yeah, week mm-hmm. of coming out and then going straight back in or whatever it was. That's just, that's just like, is this, it's the chopping and changing 
like it's it's for me it's been that and like the not knowing for the first two months of this lockdown not knowing whether it's going to be like extended to christmas if we're going to open up any time like and they kept like saying like oh another two weeks another two weeks and like it's just like that that was just disheartening even like when new south wales regional went into lockdown they were like oh it's only a week and it's like is it though is it like it's not going to be a fucking week is it every and, every time they said a week here everyone's like four weeks yeah yeah <laughs> you're not yeah, yeah that, that was that was the worst thing which is just always changing the date like like having a date or a rough date of the last like month has been just heaps better for everyone like at least you're working towards something well um your new premiere sounds pretty wild <laughs> This press conference is was. I think he was talking. He talked about business like it was uh, a human for. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a worry. It, it was pretty wild. Yeah, no, no Gladys fan. Mm. She's done like atrociously at some things, but it's always it's always disheartening when someone leaves. You're like, oh great, it's worse. This is yeah. worse. Yeah. This, this guy yeah. doesn't believe mm. doesn't think women should have abortions, and is a Trump Trump fan. Mm. You're like, oh fuck. Um, um, it's yeah, it's pretty wild, and then it's what the he he's locked in till the, the 2023 as yeah. well. I mean, he, he changed the he's, he's upped all the numbers, so it was supposed to be 10 people in a house, now it's 20, and it was supposed to be 20 people outside, now it's 50. And like, it, it was not, it was like no, no one there from the health um advisory board, it was just him and a bunch of politicians, yeah, like, and that's always a worry back open. Yeah, he did. Um, they did announce. I'm not sure if this is in the works, but there was been a bit of a worry, especially regional, with uh, vaccines being uh, hard to get. That places weren't going to be able to open. But they announced that as long as everyone is single vaccinated and has their second one booked in by the first, they can work for the the first couple of weeks, which is probably um, very helpful to a lot of businesses. So that was a quite that was a good thing. Mm. I think it was sensible ish. Yeah, we mm. here. It's. I think you have to have. Well, you have to have one shot, I think, before reopening. Mm. Obviously, even plan to get the second one, mm. but because originally they said you had to be double vaxxed. Yeah, yeah, that was the, the worry around with everyone because everyone was like, "Well, I've got half my staff vaxxed, and we're going to be and, working either all the fucking time or not being able to open." It was really weird because they were, you know, they the, all this stuff with AstraZeneca, and they were like saying, "Oh, you know, we, you shouldn't get it if you're under this age." Blah blah blah. Don't get it, and then. Then they're like, oh no, everyone get it now. Like, yeah, yeah. What we were saying, just get it, just get it. And I had uh like staff that who went to their doctors, asked for AstraZeneca, and they're like, I'm I've been advised to not give it to you, so you can't have it. So we had staff who couldn't get AstraZeneca, they wanted to get vaccine vaccinated, and their doctors like, no, I don't think it's right. Mm. And finally, Pfizer's come through pretty, pretty quick and they've put it back. Oh, yeah. After Sydney stole most of it, most of the supply. Yeah, because in the states you got it in a three-week interval, both doses, and here they push it out to six weeks. But now they've run mm. it back down to three weeks. So I don't yeah. think anyone for us is stressed. I think everyone's going to be double vaxxed by next week at at, at our venues. Mm. Do you, do you guys have a a date where you're going to hit seventy percent? Um, it was forecasted to be the twenty sixth of October, but the previous forecast was a couple of days late. Yeah. Okay. I haven't. They haven't updated it in the roadmap, but I imagine it'll be a couple of days behind, unless yeah. they really ramped it up. It made you know made that ground back. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd like New South Wales came early, which was was a bit annoying because it was like the 18th with the 18th for ages, and they're like, "No, it's the 11th," and it's like, "Oh well, fuck, I haven't planned for that." Now I've got like a week less to to reopen and reset up a restaurant. I'll, um, it was a pain in the ass. How would that be? Kind of being a semi-regional restaurant, are you getting staff or like um, getting customers, not so much staff, I guess. Well, like regional can travel, so we can have people from other regional areas. So um, we should we should be right. Like we're, we're capped at forty-two in the restaurant, so we should be fine. We really don't know though. We we might be full. We might be half empty. Might be half full. Um, like there's so we we just don't really know, but we're gonna we're gonna open up next Friday and go from there. If anything, like if we're a bit quieter for the first week, it'll be a bit of a soft opening. Like you know, a couple of new staff, new menu, tweak some things. Like the kitchen hasn't been running as a kitchen for three months, so it'll take a little bit to get get in the flow. So it won't be the worst thing, but yeah, we we have no idea really. 
you got the the bedding mm. pool in the kitchen, which massive piece of equipment fails on Friday night. Oh, fuck, something, something will go. <laughs> it's always Some, something will go. Like I've just like yeah, mm. little things like that. Like I just we've been like the the pilots on the oven. Like we've been working on three burners for three months just because there's no point in getting fixed. So it's got that fixed. So hopefully everything will be uh like running smoothly. But something something will fuck up. Of course it will. Oh, yeah, it's always the way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. A bridge dies. Kate, Casey. Going back to going back to your lockdown, because I want to hear a bit more about the Victorian experience of this one, other than the sort of psychological, emotional toll it's taken on all these people. Like, what, how has this one been different from the last lockdown in terms of how you've operated? Like, did you just kind of snap back into lockdown, you know, takeaways and, and, and those sorts of adaptations that you'd made, like, in the same way that you had in the first one and also like how is the sort of keeping staff like without job keeper and and all that sort of thing this time yeah it's i mean we we kind of snap back to it we're seasoned vets at, it at this point um falco um fortunately doesn't really see any dip or anything uh with covid lockdowns it was i mean it's a bakery so it's always kind of been that takeaway um model i mean obviously we have seats people can't sit in anymore but it was never the main point of our business because i have dine-in customers so that it, that's been fine great no issues there we've um, actually hired multiple people even through this especially in this last lockdown just ramping up and prepping and uh, just just needed more hands on deck um capitano um it's shifted to takeaway we don't do very much delivery because um just the the uh, the prospect the prospective companies are all pretty average. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we work with uh, one company. We do, you know we do a handful of deliveries a night just in a very very local area, just to our our main clientele. Um, but it's doing okay. Like money wise, I can't really complain. It would it would be nice to sell alcohol again. Like we don't sell much in the way of booze. Um, obviously, that's a big thing of any restaurant so mm. even uh, we're doing some weeks we're doing as much food as we would do when the restaurant was open but with just no booze sales yeah and that kind of that, mm. that hurts we and a lot i mean thankfully a lot of our um front of house staff were students and and things of that nature part-time employee you know like um older hospitality workers who had gone back to school. So they, it wasn't a stress for them. There was no one in the front of house that needed the work. So our managers could stay on board and do everything that needed to be done. And uh, no one was really stressing about that uh, in the kitchen. Yeah. Everyone just stayed, stayed on board there. Uh, Liberty. We we're just doing more kind of like lowbrow food like kind of highbrow lowbrow food on the weekend mm. like, so um, last lockdown you looks used, good you too. closed liberty as well didn't you yeah we just we did a few little like take-home meals and stuff but it just i don't know it, i don't know i wasn't super pumped on it, it, it it's kind of just i i didn't think i'm not saying like we were just like trying to cash in or just like not doing um a uh just just you know whatever selling a a pack just because we can sell it we um but it just didn't feel like it was parallel to what we tried to do as a restaurant and it wasn't working i felt as an experience and it's Mm. such an experiential restaurant it's you know you might just come in for a glass of wine after work with you're there for four hours and you've had dinner so that's that's a lot of how it happens at at liberty and like to replicate that is impossible Mm. So we kind of in this lockdown we kind of shifted to a more like fun kind of just like two hours on Saturday and Sunday three hours of just power and just do like some really fun tasty food like cooked over charcoal and stuff like we did kind of souvlaki esque things the last two weeks we're um, kind of Zach's kind of doing like a a play on a French dip this weekend and next weekend. Um, mm. vegetarian mm, looks good. That yeah, it should, it, I mean it. It's, yeah. it's super tasty. It's going to be fun. Breads from the bakery, so that's yeah. that always helpful. Yeah, like it's, it's almost yeah. like 
no, I mean, some people are making, <clears throat> seems like they're making quite a lot of money from their like takeaway three course, but it's not like it's going to replace your normal business. It's more just to kind of keep, like we did it here just to keep us a bit relevant and to get some staff in and just have us doing something rather than just everyone sitting at home. Um, it was, it was yeah. as much about like everyone's mental health as much as like, you know, it was nice to have a, a little bit of cash inflow, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass to like put together all these packs and package them and label them and, you know, get oh, yeah. stuck, then, you know, then give them off to people and they're going to cook it at home themselves. And um, you just worry they're going to, they're going to screw it up and blame you. Isn't it? Have you guys seen what that Atlas at home situation is looking like now? Yeah, it's like it. a fucking factory. Yeah. Like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, it's a kid walk that restaurant out of my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just couldn't believe like i was just yeah, looking at the, um, posts on instagram and stuff and it's like they got this full warehouse doing these mm. take-home atlas at home things and i was like yeah. that's the craziest thing that this that, that covid has turned this place into a what? warehouse of yeah um, I, think, I think he's like cook he's been at doing home that. food like. i think he's been doing that the whole like since the first lockdown as well i think he was doing it when yeah. there wasn't lockdowns so it's become a a business model for him yeah it's probably it's definitely more successful than the restaurant i mean yeah yeah oh i mean it must be but even even the like space like they've got a warehouse mm. even like yeah. i've seen, seen some sorry, pictures sorry. of some of the restaurants in in sydney who with the that provador and they've had like boxes stacked up to the roof so i mean people have seen have been doing some numbers um but i mean like i said it, it still takes a lot of manpower to sell out sell a lot of like you know, 60 bucks per person packs for two. Like it's a, it's a lot of work for, for not much, but like I said, it's, it's, it's keeping people going. So it'd be interesting to see when everyone comes out of lockdown, how many people actually continue to do that. Yeah. I think there'll probably be yeah. some switch, but I think um, as we've seen a few times, when it reopens, everyone just wants to go back out again. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's obviously it's different in regional than, than in a city, but like, a lot of times people live in the city because that's what they love. They, they love to go out. They love to do the, yeah, you know, the whole point. three or four or five nights a week. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it, it, it does, it did seem that anything of this kind of take home model dried up pretty significantly when stuff reopens. But, yeah. 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 Um, I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. It'll be that kind of huge rush and then a lull again. And then, then that, I guess probably like six months into the future, eight months in the future, We'll see how it p- planes out and how people people might be like, oh, I can just buy this meal for seventy dollars to get delivered to my house as opposed to going out for one hundred and fifty dollars. So yeah, I think like everyone who's everyone who's done them, it's it's a novelty. I don't think I don't think I've heard anyone or seen anyone who's got one of these packs and been like, oh, this is sick. We'll do this every weekend forever. Like it's like, oh, that's cool. Like something to do during mm-hmm. lockdown. I don't think I haven't really seen anyone who who would do it on the regular if they could just go to the restaurant oh yeah i don't i don't um i can't see that mm. in the thing it's not mm. yeah it doesn't go do you think though that like 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 there's a huge there's a huge marketplace out there for like meal prep services like hello fresh and all that sort of shit where they send you a box of produce that's enough to make a meal and they send you a recipe card and it's just like this really mm. straightforward sort of cook at home thing. But I think that's Do that's you think for... that like things like Provador take a slice of that market away from services like HelloFresh? I think you'd be like, I think if people would get HelloFresh things like that, it's for, it's it's because they're, they're time poor um, or they're possibly not that good a cook and they, you know, they get everything sort of measured out and it's it's quite easy you have to be pretty baller if you're like i'm gonna do meal meal prep every week from neil perry <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah it's a very slim market of who can knock yeah. that um yeah i think i i got a i had some friends who do like hello fresh and stuff and i think pretty much was like he just hated going to the grocery store mm, yeah so it's yeah like i've started order, ordering stuff um like produce and things just to my door and it's just, it's just, it just heaps better you just got to remember to do it i just keep forgetting on the right day she'll be like actually organized in a few days ahead but yeah i think like yeah i mean it'd be interesting how that whole company goes the whole company is based on a problem that happened during lockdown and are like all the restaurants are going to flood away from it like i said like it takes takes a fair few people to do it so who's got the space to run a 
a restaurant, you know, five days a week and then have, you know, different crew come in and, and cook, prep and pack all, all this other stuff. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably Neil Perry. The best nights that you've had in, in your life haven't been at your house, I don't think. Even, nah. even if you have a good, like, dinner party at the house, you have friends over, it's still not anywhere near, like, you know, like, you know, like the dinner we had when you guys were in town last time, mm. that was, just, that was fun. Like, you know, that yeah, yeah. is going to be better than any, like. Yeah. You know, I think like, that's what we saw last time. Like people, cause like, especially after that first lockdown, there was a worry of, uh, do people feel safe going out? Are they going to come back? Um, you know, like, are they going to spend? Does, you know, does anyone have any money? And we just got fucking pumped pretty much the whole time. Like, like Parrot was, just full mm. every day we're open from open to close for months. Yeah. Almost any, like any well-paying job, like didn't shut down. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you realize that you're like 200 K a year doing, you know, sitting at home, not spending money on yeah coffees and shit anymore. So yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that was quite stark that the people who, who had money probably made more money or were fine. Um, it was the, the have nots that weren't coming to a, uh, you know, our venues and, and dropping a couple hundred bucks on wine. We, they, they weren't coming out anyway. It's always the way. Um, if it's affecting the rich, it would have been over. Yeah, yeah, much quicker. 18 months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's affecting the rich and the, va- the poor would have been vaccinated much quicker. How can we find a COVID? What's the equivalent of a COVID that just affects the rich? There's nothing really, is there? You can't do it. <laughs> um the, the French Revolution. <laughs> yeah, that was the closest. You name a van that just killed rich people. Yeah. That's a start. We could rise up. Let's get on to the world's best 50, which came out today? Yesterday? Uh, yes. Yesterday. Uh, it, was came out, it was like Wednesday or Tuesday night. I forget what day. I was following it. Yeah. yeah it Obviously, it was in Wednesday. Europe. So it was the, it was the fifth, whatever, they, whatever that landed here. Um, and yeah, big, big surprise, massive news. A little restaurant called Noma 2.0 took the number one spot. So yeah, I, know. I think the, the, the two best restaurants in the world as voted on, upon uh, by these 5,000 or so people who couldn't travel last year are both in Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's just like all the reviewers live in Copenhagen now. Yeah. They, they just all live there. And that's, I mean, the, the top 10 is quite funny because you got, yeah, one and two in Copenhagen and then two restaurants in Lima in Peru. So mm. it's quite a, it's, it's quite a strange little list. Um, definitely a bit strange that uh, they could run a, you know, international, um, you know, restaurant ranking system, which relies on people traveling, going to different restaurants, putting in their, their, their reviews and their scores during a global pandemic where most travel wasn't wasn't allowed um so no surprise to see that no restaurants from australia made the top 50 almost every restaurant in that top 50 would exclusively cater to travel it's not like well yeah yeah i they, they wouldn't have locals popping in for for a quick bite <laughs> quick um yeah, just a 700 dollars little snack on the way home yeah, yeah. It's um. What do you What are your thoughts on the fifty best list, Casey? I mean, it seemed. I don't know when it first when it first came out. However many years ago that was, two thousand. Yeah, it was fourteen or eleven. Something like might have been like ninety nine or two thousand. Oh, was that? Oh, was 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 it in the mid nineties? It no one really. It wasn't like really a thing for quite a while. And El Bully just won it every year anyway. Yeah, I mean, that was fair. <laughs> <laughs> they probably still are. Uh, I don't know. It just, it just seems kind of contrived now. It was mm-hmm. more of a... It almost seems like more of a way to flaunt being a judge than, a, than it does the, any real relevancy to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it sort of started as like a bit of a... Because it was restaurant magazine, I believe, and it was a bit of just an informal. A load of rich white dudes got together and decided what their best restaurants were, and like, it's, it's like some of the first lists, you look back at them, um, a, a, a lot more 
a lot more Eurocentric and, and French dining centric. And it's just kind of blown up from there. It still is, though. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. Well, it's a bit better. Like, yes, there's two, there's two restaurants from Lima. Probably both. Oh, no, they're doing, they're doing Peruvian well, food. Well, I found it interesting. Like, having a look at the, having a look, I was actually really, I found really interesting how much there is in Latin America. Like, mm. the, there's a, a few Argentinian ones. There's quite a few Brazilian ones. Um quite a few in Mexico, like a number, a number that I hadn't heard of. Uh, and yeah, just sound, that, that was interesting. And then, yeah, obviously like you've got plenty across Europe and stuff like that, but does, does Michelin do Latin America? Is there a Michelin guide? I, I think it has to be, I don't think Michelin does anything as the country pays for it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's basically <laughs> right. like the decision is, can they make money? I think they've, Right, gone somewhere recently. I can't remember where it was, but not not really. No, so you've only got one group of white people deciding they, the best restaurants. The whole, they did the whole state of California this year instead of yeah, yeah. They've I Rochester mean San Fran. Yeah, Michelin tend to go where where the money is, which is why they went to Japan uh, and made a big thing about that. Obviously, you know, plenty of American cities. Um, it's probably why they haven't come to Australia because I don't think people would 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 care enough to, to actually fucking buy the guide. So what's the point? Um, it's, but- it's, it's such a weird list, like full stop. I mean, like, I think I've, I've actually eaten at chairman in Hong Kong, which, I mean, that's awesome to see they got in at, at 10, but then mm. yeah. the run in China's I, I, I believe the head chef's French. And so, yeah, and- I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the Asian restaurants that make it up have, you know, have European European head chefs. I mean, like it, it's it almost it feels like they they're aware that it used to be like very Eurocentric, and they've sort of done almost gone like like too far where they're like trying to find you know like like obviously like Peru is is now the you know the the, the place they're all they're all frothing and they they end up with two restaurants in the mm. in the, the the top ten and they have been for a while. Um, and they've decided that like Peru, Mexico, they're the two places and that's fine now. Like you, you, you haven't seen any other restaurants from sort of lesser known countries in quite a few years, I don't think. Well, the, I mean, the crazy thing is the best restaurant in America is the Mexican restaurant by Enrique Olvera. He's got yeah. two restaurants in the top 30. Yeah, wow. I right. mean, I, I mean, Cosme is a great restaurant. I, I'm not even trying to begin to take discredit them at all. But it's like Cosme is ahead of, I mean, Benu, like Benu mm. is insane. Like I can't imagine. I, I mean, it's all it's all subjective, right? I guess, but people do vote somehow. Some the subjectivity becomes so slightly objective, I guess, if they make the list mm. for all this stuff. Do, do you think? Do you think though that like? Do you think when it comes to places like Peru or Mexico or Buenos Aires or places that potentially don't have a long history of fine dining culture that like for example central in lima like that being recognized in the world's best 50 numerous times probably leading it to then be featured on chef's table then just sort of you know start sort of planting the seeds of fine dining culture in a place like lima um, a bit more and putting it on the map as a place and giving chefs and hospitality professionals there the impetus to start venues or do do ambitious things like is that what this list may contribute in 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 a way or would that sort of stuff be present anyway without this list and people just would seek it out and find it it's, it's a pretty it's a, like it's a powerful list like when yes. know, get, get, getting featured means you will be booked out for life. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd say it definitely would contribute to, to food culture. I mean, um, and to the progression of, of a restaurant scene in any given city. So, I mean, the, the, the power they yield is, is pretty, is pretty wild. Um, and the, um, which is why I think the decision to, once a restaurant become gets a number one, they're they're out, they're done. It's one, it's one and out. They put get put on the the special leaderboard list or, or something. So you know, that that's probably a good step because um, it'll allow more restaurants to 
<laughs> I don't know. I can't really call it a hall of fame. Got, they hang the they hang the chef's whites of that yeah, person like yeah. above the and then the, above the, rest, the yeah. HQ. <laughs> the restaurant must close in one year after that. That is the rules. <laughs> uh, so like it's a pretty yeah, it's a pretty powerful list. So I think like that's probably a good thing that you get. You know, just like everyone everyone gets a number one now in the next in the next twenty years. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's a it's a list for for white you know rich, rich white people who travel around and, and like eating these restaurants it's uh i mean there's there's some people who try and like eat at every single one in the top 50 like over the course of a couple of years and it's 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 so kind of uh you know unrealistic for for the majority of, of diners um you might go to one or two of them in your life maybe yeah it's a it's a weird i think it also this not taking away from anything from what these chefs are doing. Mm. But I wonder how much of it's like, of these restaurants are cultivated from just kind of rich playboys who are just, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's the new vineyard. It used to be like, oh, I own a vineyard. It didn't matter how <laughs> shit wine was. You would just tell your friends that you own a vineyard. But now mm. it's, um, and I know in New York, there's a lot of people who invest in restaurants. It's kind of like how you open a restaurant in New York. It's There's no like doing it yourself. Yeah, you have to find someone that's very rich to back you, and I, I wonder in some of these places if it's like um, a kind of a status thing. They mm. reach chefs and putting this money down to have these restaurants, and obviously there has to be skill set there. Yeah, yeah. It's, to, not taking anything away from that, but it's like it, it's. I mean, it's yeah. It's definitely obviously you need to be a very skilled chef and a very skilled operator, but life's a lot easier if you've got a you know billionaire backer who wants wants specifically to make this list because it is a is a is a bit of a dick swing um and is willing to you know break even or or lose money it it, it makes it a, a very much like a two-tiered system in the restaurant world when you've got the the smaller guys doing it independently and then you know like just being a rich, you know, bit of a rich kids playground because I, I, none of these lists none of these restaurants in the top 50 can be independently owned i'm just having a last look through hey, like, but what about like what about septim and what about Chairman Hong Kong? Which they're they're a pretty massive like, company, aren't they? I think we're overgeneralizing. I don't know anything. Always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's no fun not overgeneralizing. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the the background structure of of the chairman or uh, or even Sep team, but I, I'm not, there would be. I don't know. I think a lot. Yeah, I I don't. I'm not sure. I I, I do believe there's a lot of these newer restaurants that have big time backers open mm. and creating yeah, I'm sure that like i think that i think that you can probably separate like many of these restaurants on this list into exactly what we're talking about but i do think that there are some in there like i i don't know i don't know but i'm pretty sure sep teams independently own those guys have mm. clamato and they've got like a you know another another wine bar and stuff in paris and i'm not too sure what else but like sep teams are pretty modest restaurant in terms of its size and its furnishings and things like that like you don't need to be a billionaire to no, fit no. out a restaurant like septim and with chairman of hong kong i'm pretty sure that it's still owned by chairman group uh danny yip and um potentially still josiah lee from canberra um but I, I'm, I'm not sure I'd have to ask you so mm. about that if he's, I, he's still involved I in think, it. but they're an independent group i think more like less bashing people that aren't independent i definitely think it's, it's a bit of a two-tier thing when you've someone's got a lot of money getting thrown behind them but um more just like there's there's they're, they're all all the the beats are different they're all quite similar restaurants um and the, and there's not there doesn't seem like there's space for um a restaurant where it might not be that traditional restaurant but it's like an amazing experience like fucking some shack up a hill somewhere in a, in a rainforest or some something like some weird experience that would just be like that was like an amazing meal these are all very like you know traditional restaurants with uh with lots of frills mm. yeah I, I was you how many how many sorry go casey no i wasn't trying to say like everyone on that list is just it's a billionaire's playground or, or playboys but I, I do believe some some of them exist because of some some weird status yeah. now of this list let's mm. let's 
for sure. Create this restaurant that's a, that's a top twenty restaurant in the world. We can we know what boxes. Yeah. It takes. We know how much money to do. We know how much. I mean, obviously, you have to find the talent to execute it. Um, or you get your bland red bland wet soul situation on it, where you eating, co- yeah. eating Costco chickens and uh, touching up your staff on an on a beautiful island off the coast of Washington. <laughs> it's like it's it's um. I, I, yeah, I believe some of these, I do believe some of these restaurants are, are kind of beginning to exist. Definitely. As a status symbol to get on this list. Mm. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Geranium, geraniums like is owned by a billionaire and it, yeah. from, we spoke to the former sous chef of geranium on this podcast and he said it basically either runs at a loss or is a break even, you know, yeah. it's a break even business. Um, which is wild for the number two restaurant in the world. So, mm. I mean, if that's not status, I don't know well, what is. I mean, you know, Noma is is famous for their you know people starving there, which you know is working for free. Yeah, so let's get into let, let's get into that. Side get of stuck things. in a Noma. <laughs> that um that 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 post that you sent us before this podcast, Casey is. <laughs> Absolutely, one of the best things I've ever read. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read it. Um, it's from the Sussmans on Instagram at the Sussmans. So, job posting: Are you eager to be an intern in the basement, fermenting the crap out of anything we can find for months? Do you like sorting flowers and other small items from a sizzle platter into a small plastic box? Do you like unique ingredients and supply- surprising flavor combinations? Do you either wish to take on substantial personal debt or have a wealthy family willing to fly you overseas to work for free in order to learn some, if we must say so ourselves, pretty school, pretty cool skills? Our goal, to embrace a hierarchical system rooted in unfair and toxic behavior in order to have a water company notice us, which will convince the ultra elite to pay extravagant prices and then fly to see us. All of this continuing to bolster a cyclical cyclical model akin to indentured servitude where the awards are bestowed upon one, although the work is done by many and often unpaid interns like you. If interested, send your resumes and a cover letter to World's Best Fifty at Yahoo.com. <laughs> it's great. It, uh, that that account. Um, I, th- I think uh, Eli and Max. So I've met Eli once before. They have uh, they do some great. They have a kind of a fast casual casual concept um, in in Brooklyn. I think it, I think it actually may have closed because of COVID and they may have reopened another location. I need to check that, but they just do the best industry memes. <laughs> it's just that on every yeah. day. I came across them recently. Just yeah. funny people. Um, so I mean, I think that that maybe says them into the sort of sustainability of these restaurants. Um, like they're, they're run on a bit of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, yeah, internship, which is still, um, still fine and kind of legal in, in a lot of countries, although they're starting to crack down on it. Um, which I think is 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 possibly where Australian restaurants haven't ever featured too highly. Obviously, there's been quite a few and made the top fifty over the years, but we don't really have that that sort of same level of staging here. Um, and it's it's more kind of frowned upon by the government, and it's to the point like now it's kind of a lot of places don't because it's a worry. And so so we haven't got so many of those restaurants who have that like kitchen crew of fifty people um because one you, you just couldn't afford that if you were paying everyone a award and we haven't got those stages so i think that that's kind of why Australian restaurants have never quite featured so much or quite quite so prevalent even though we have we have great restaurants here yeah it's definitely um i mean it's a big it, it's a it's a long way to travel as well to stage mm. it's pretty expensive um place to live as well i guess too if you are staging um, yeah, it's kind of, it's definitely, it's definitely behind the world in the terms of, of staging. Uh, it, it was much more prevalent in those restaurants that were in the top 50 there for a while, but I think mm. he pulled back on that now. Um, mm. it's, yeah, it's a tricky one with the, the labor laws here. I think it, it almost reads as illegal if you actually yeah. read the, uh, the awards, mm. like it, it, it does kind of doesn't explicitly say it's illegal but it 
alludes to it being very illegal. Yeah, That's like I, I would be worried at taking someone for a, like you know more than a day or two. Like if someone was like, "Can I come to a week?" I would I would be umming and ahhing about it. Um, if it you know if it's a, if it's a day or two, or like they want to come do you know a couple of hours a week or something, just to just sort of hang out. Like you know, I'd, I'd be fine with that. But um, yeah, it's definitely getting to the point where I think a lot a lot of people have decided to just not because it's um because of the risk oh yeah for sure and i guess it's too like i'm not sure how it works if someone gets hurt or or whatever yeah yeah it's just, yeah it's the other things as well um but yeah i i, I think about that stuff way too much yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just a worry it's just yeah. like even if, if someone's on a trial you're like what's the actual like if someone actually got yeah if someone did get hurt what's what's the go there it's thankfully never happened to to me but yeah they might come down you um but yeah do you think that do you think that like has there been a much investigation into the you know i mean this is this is a global sort of thing like i mean someone like renee or any any of these top level chefs that take on fucking 20 stages at a time and just have a picking flowers in the basement like for for weeks at a time and stuff like that like i my brain automatically goes through like i would just feel like that's unethical like as a person for me as a like boss to make people do that for free and Mm. like be like at the end of however long they're there be like well, you didn't get a job, but like, um, like you had a great experience that you can mm. put on your resume. Like, thanks for but, coming to Copenhagen. But that's that's worth like having having no more on your resume would probably be worth you know an extra how much money over your career. So I think it, it, it wasn't it isn't it is is an investment. Not particularly agree with it being in the best way, but you know how how many chefs do you hear that you know former former Noma chef it never says that they were you know they were free stage pick, picking fucking herbs all the time, mm. um, and you know same with El Bully like Rene Renzepi was a stagiaire at, at El Bully, um, and then I remember when when Noma was first becoming a sort of big thing, it was oh this 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 um this, this chef who's worked at El Bully and French Laundry. And then that, and everyone was like, "Oh wow, they're two great restaurants." And they, they, they probably were both, both sort of number one, number two in the world at the time. So, it is, um, it is something that would would get you a get you a job for life, probably. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I mean, I think I said last time I was talking to you guys, I've I've worked with some horrible people who staged at great restaurants or worked mm. at great restaurants. Um, I, it's I think it's evolving. It's less and less important now. It's kind of that archaic structure or like um of how kitchens were laid out and how you progress you know even 20 years ago i mean there was no instagram obviously and there was you you could learn by cookbooks or stuff Mm. you'd have to go stop you kind of like i don't know you rocked up somewhere with your knives and asked or you sent them an email you know trying to get in i I mean older than that i don't even know what you do send send a letter i guess (laughs) ask them your resume but it's kind of like now you could, there's so much information to digest online that stages I, I do believe are becoming less and less relevant. I, I do. I, I would say there was a place in time, a time and place for them, mm. but there were, but a lot of the best places you would stage weren't, expo- uh, didn't exploit you. It yeah. wasn't just do this in the corner. It was like, Hey, you know, be with this person today, learn how to do this today you know, do this, you know, make sure you're learning how to, you know, something and blah, blah, blah. And those places were great. The other ones were just like, oh, we have, we have to pickle these uh, coriander seeds. So <laughs> let's get, <laughs> you got to like sort through all this stuff. I think the difference is if, if your business model relies on people working for free, that's a, a bit of a shitty business model. Like doing stages, like, like I, I started in the UK at some mission star restaurants and it was great. They were great experiences and, you know, still keep in touch with some people who work there and still remember things from, from when I worked there. And, you know, I, I, I contacted them and went and did, you know, did a week for free. Um, I think that's great. And I think, I think that's something that is, is useful and is a really good training tool for people. It's, it's, it's when a restaurant has, you know, 20 of them and they hire them for a season um, and don't pay them. That's, that's a, that, that's definitely moves into unethical territory, I think. 
Yeah, I think that's a good good point of distinction. I, I, I do I do think there is education um, information to be digested from stages, but yeah, like, I, mean, I was gonna <laughs> uh, I was gonna go and like to do a day in uh, in no in Nomad with Jackie um, before I ended up taking a job here because I was bored. <laughs> so I was like, let's go and do a day. It's when I want to want to learn how you use your your little Perilla grills and all that. So I was I was I was willing to go and do that. You know, just go go work for, for free yeah. for a day. Yeah. Just just a bit of experience and just, yeah. just for, for just for a laugh, really. Um I suppose so I, I suppose it sort of it actually ha- that actually happens in a lot of industries in mm-hmm. a way. Like depending on what it is, it's like for me, like I produce podcasts other than this one. And what? when I first spoke to well, I know, right? Um <laughs> when I when I first spoke to my boss that I produce um, uncomfortable conversations for, I was like, just, I'm happy to just work for free for a bit and you can see if you want to keep me doing it. Like I want to just the experience of working with you because I know that you're a good person to work with. I guess that was like, I mean, he paid me from the beginning, um, but yeah, I guess it was like a sort of a similar thing. And I saw, I saw the value in that. I suppose like, do you think like, is it is it very difficult to get a job at these restaurants if you don't begin with a stage, or do they just accept applicate? Like, I mean, the the talent pool for people trying to work at these restaurants must be like, like I believe Paul Wilson, who we spoke to, who worked at Geranium as the sous chef, began as a stagiaire, yeah. ha- having you know been head chef of restaurants and stuff like that before like with a pretty deep like experience and then he was sort of recognized for his talent and and ended up being a sous chef but uh yeah is it difficult to get a job at like if you if you're like so, i'm in love with fucking ishtabari and i want to work there uh, i suppose that might be a bit different in that restaurant oh, yeah, but like certain restaurants it's hard to get a job if you don't start yeah like, like if you wanted if you wanted to, i mean i know el bully basically had like the two the brothers and they had like six odd chefs who were there who were employed full time and then 30 odd stage stagiaires and that was their model and i think some and some of those Full, those full-time people were sort of picked over the years but i mean you had basically had no chance of getting a job there because there was there wasn't job there there was there was free work or that was it um and i think yeah a lot of people who've actually gone on to work at noma not as a stagiaire started that way or, or you know did did some unpaid work um because the, the talent pool they'd be picking from would be massive like you know they'd have you know chefs from you know other other two and three you know star restaurants applying all the time so you know if they've had someone who's done done a done a season there and is good you're going to hire that person over a you know a, a resume mm. yeah i um, started uh, i started to shape anise for a little while and mm. you would you could never get on there they 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 had at least three chefs that had been there for over 20 years fuck just like fucking no it was fun. it was great it was it mm. was amazing to see an institution like that cook and how they did things but it's like mm. Yeah, you was, were. Was there many many stages there, or? Um, like- no, it was just. Um, I staged there because a friend of mine was doing his internship there from culinary school, so he yeah, was, I guess, technically, technically a stage. Uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, just the, the the word that other businesses use for stage. I'm not, intern. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure um, if he was getting because sometimes through the school that we went to, you would some internships were paid somewhere mm. so you might yeah. have been paid um i mean it's, it's not it's not like other industries don't do it you know like you know lots of other industries do internships that are unpaid um yeah, sure, 100%. You know, especially if you're studying like like nur- nurses when they're studying uni you have to do like heaps of of placement for like like weeks at a time and they're not allowed to work any other job during that time and they've got to study and that, that you know that's that's the bulk that's the bulk of the people working in hospitals is, is unpaid students and you know no one's uh no one's freaking out about that quite so much mm. um to wrap probably, up world's best 50 probably should just mention that that bray made number 57 uh in the 50 to 100 oh, years yeah. and attica came in squeaked in at 97 so 
Uh, both have previously been in the top 50, but good to see them still in the, the 100. Good to see uh, someone is uh, still paying attention to Australia a little bit. Um, and congratulations to them. Who would have mm. have Yeah, that's what. How many voters are in Australia, I guess? I don't know. It's like a lot big panel, but, but we seem to like be un- no underrepresented. No one can travel here. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, so no one can come here. Well, I mean, were they were they yeah, rating were they rating the Attica lasagna? You know, or were they doing their tasting menu? Like which the, what which one were they rating? I'm not sure. The what right. love. Maybe yeah. they <laughs> the, uh, if we, if the, top, the top fifty cook at home three course meals. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, to wrap it up, what uh, which which venues on the list would you guys be most keen to dine at? Or also, you can answer this one too. Which have you dined at? Um, I have to pull the list up. I've done. You have to pull the list up. All I've all I've been to is seventeen. Mm. That's the only one that I've dined at. I've been to none many. There was, there was there was one year where there was a couple in the top ten I've been to. But have you eaten at Lyles, Simon? No, they were they were neither of them were open last time I lived in the UK. But yeah, I'd like I'd be keen to go to Lyles. Um, Brat made the the fifty to hundred look doing some cool stuff, and Clove Club looks awesome as well. Um, I do like like what like geranium stuff does. This always look very fucking good. Like no nomad stuff looks looks a bit wacky, and you're like, "Whoa, what are they up to?" But geraniums, nomad, nomad, nomad. So I say nomad. So Jackie, your food doesn't look yeah. wacky; it's, it's delicious. Um, yeah, nomad always looks a bit a bit out there, and you're like, "Whoa, what are they doing?" Those crazy people. But geranium just looks like legit, pretty, uh, pretty awesome. I, don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. the ones that the ones that actually appeal to me most are the ones that seem to be a little bit out there, like Kisa Franco in Slovenia. Mm. Um, and and places like that, places where you kind of travel to like an obscure location for experience more so mm. than like you're just in, you know, you're in Madrid Dropping or something like that yeah. and you go to this big restaurant like yeah. or whatever, I suppose. I mean, I'd yeah. love to go to Japan. I've never been, so that would definitely knock out, I guess, Den. Would yeah, be, yeah, Den uh, was a top. Den, Narasawa. Mm. Yeah, he came. Um, they brought the whole when they were cooking. They cooked at uh, Cutler and Co. I believe a few years ago, and then Andrew oh, wow. he brought the whole team into Rockwell, and I made them burgers. Um, so that was pretty fun. <laughs> Maybe the question would be: How many chefs in the top fifty have you cooked a burger for? <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> that, that's the that's the real list. Yeah, that, I guess it'd be an older list now. Uh, they yeah. aren't put on the list anymore because they've Just... been <laughs> top top number one restaurants. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I think I've been to four restaurants on the list, but they're all, all in America. Mm, yeah. Which ones? I've been to, um, let's see, start from the top. Um, Cosme, I've been to Cosme. Um, that, that's a really tasty meal. I've been to La Bernadine. Uh, mm-hmm. like Adamix in New York as well. And I've been to Benu. So, mm. mm-hmm. It's a good lineup. And chairman. And chairman. Yep, there you go. Five. I, just, I totally missed that one. Chairman. Mm. Chairman is like it. I love Cantonese food, but I I have no reference point. It's so hard for me to understand the dishes culturally and why they're such significant dishes. Mm. You know, it's it's such a delicate. Um style of cooking is so refined um mm. I, I love eating cantonese food and, and i will be the first one to admit i do not fully understand it in a in a cultural uh yeah um reference uh, from a cultural reference point the um because you yeah these dishes that are so significant to cantonese cuisine i i, I just don't know yeah i mean i guess mm. you don't you hope the the restaurant gave you some of that with the service really if um oh yeah it was it was a great service at chairman and i even mm. eating at flower drum here which i i love flower drum mm. it, it's like the delicate the delicacy that that you don't see in other fine dining yeah um and the service at flower drum is i i would argue is the best service in australia it's 
insane like the way they take care of the customer mm. Mm. put on a list for next trip steph flower drum yeah i've always wanted to go to flower drum mm. um mm. yeah cool top 50 all right on your noma top 50 well there um, you go noma so noma can't get it again unless he opens a new place well, unless, yeah, which noma means that basically next year geranium everyone just moves up a place and someone comes <laughs> for, yeah for the next next 50 years and everyone just moves i have up a question <laughs> um in regards to the top 50 so removing attica and bray what would be your pick for the next australian restaurant to sneak in mm. which steph and i sort of spoke about this when the 50 to 100 came out i said i don't i don't think there'll be any australian restaurants in the top 50 and when we were thinking about it it was like you would have said society <laughs> well <laughs> you know caviar martini or whatever that was yeah um i mean like a restaurant like that you would think that that would be gunning for uh, a listing so we'll see how that goes. I mean, I, I would have said key maybe with after the because you've got to have that bit of that's bit of just because it's been in there before. But what like where I, I don't know like well that's, that's just that's just not that's an interesting of, one. What about under what about under underbar in Ballarat <laughs> or something like that? Like one of those. Oh one man, of those, that's, a, that's like, a great restaurant. My friend, I, I actually worked with Derek in New York City. Um, yeah, right. And I, it was so weird. I knew he moved back to Australia. He came by. Rockwell, when he moved back, said hi. And then I never saw him again. And then all of a sudden, it just pops up on <laughs> Instagram one day. I was like, what the fuck? This what is where you've been all the time. Ballarat. <laughs> it's, a great, Ballarat. Uh, it's a great restaurant. Yeah. I love it. Like new restaurants, like as I said, it's just not really the, not really that the style oh, of restaurant that you'd, you'd think would get What be about Encore? Well, yeah, I mean, encore by Claire Smythe. Yeah, that that would maybe be the one. Like, obviously, not not seeing what 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 they're doing, but it seems like they they're doing that more European style. Which I mean, see if that if that flies here, really. But it's just like I mean, like you know, Vu, Vu de Monde have the you know, the style in the dining room to, yeah. to be in that. And they've been a list before. The the two recent openers in Sydney with the Amari and Woodcut there in that kind of grand style that all of the foods probably not not quite as, as cutting edge as some of no, the ones but not. there's just like yeah there's, there's we just don't we don't really do that style of restaurant so much which i think it is is a is a good thing but it means that um i mean like really i think somewhere like um arana would have been i think i think uh they, they were sort of pushing for it as well they were involved with some of the stuff but a restaurant like that where it's you know about australia's native food um that seems to be, you know, a, a a good you know flag for for the top fifty with the restaurants in Lima doing something the similar things like Dio, like Dom. Is it Dom or Dom? I never never know which that is with um, Alex Atala. Um, so no periods, right? I thought there was period. I thought I've always seen it with with. Well, if it's got periods, it's got to be Dom, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to make that. I don't know. I know. Let, let us know, Alex. Uh, I, it's funny. I'd never thought the same. I thought the same thing. I'm like Dom. I just call it Dom, but it's called. Well, yeah, yeah it's I'm got, sure I've seen it with. Yeah, it's just just Dom. Um, so we, yeah, we sort of seem to do the. the rest, I know. Like, do, you, do, you, um, do you do you know do you do you have an answer to that question that you asked, Casey? Is there anything on your radar that's like any chefs moving about, moving and shaking? I don't know. No, I, I mean, that's a, that's a, I don't have that answer either. I was just, I was thinking about it, yeah. but um, it's got to be. Would like, yeah. Would a place like Joy or something like that, like these, these small sort of like 12 seater, like little like experiential one service, 12 seats. Like that's why I sort of mentioned under, but I can't really see like any of the current restaurants really cracking it. It's either a, somewhere new or somewhere like that. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I think that yeah. they've got to have, like, you've got to have a little bit of a story. So if, like, like you know, the the you know the restaurants in Peru are you know reinventing Peruvian cuisine, so that seems to be a you know a, a you know a big one, and no one is really doing that particularly. See, Arana to an extent, and Vudemon use a bit of native stuff, and Attica does do some awesome yeah. stuff, and, and and you know they've made it in. So I think unless unless you've got just like that that amazing. You know, full-on restaurant experience of you know in, in, a, in a grand dining room, you know, eleven Madison Park, um, but with meat. Um, like you, you kind of need that little niche thing you're doing, it I think, and it doesn't seem like there's anyone quite doing that in Australia yet. 
Yeah, that's probably a good point because you you can say like, you know, Minamishima is doing mm. great, great, great food, but like there's not even. I mean, we got two restaurants from Japan, I think, on the whole list. So a Japanese yeah. restaurant from Australia would be a wild. Yeah, that'd be a pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I, well, I don't know. Did, did Jiro ever make the list? I don't know. Uh, like, there was actually a weird, it seems like, Mich- like Japan has the, or Tokyo has the most Michelin stars of any, or three Michelin stars of any city in the world. There is like a, a weird lack of Japanese restaurants in the top, in that top 50 or top 100 even. Interesting. That's true. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I can't right. see well, Australian restaurants doing particularly well in the in the top fifty anytime soon, from a stylistic point of view. Mm. Um, cool. Well, there it is. Mm. World's best fifty for another year. We'll all forget about it in a week, and yeah, then we'll much. remember it again when it's about to come out next year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there it goes. Um, <laughs> someone, someone got bonus checks this week, then. Yeah, probably for the places. Yeah, no, no more owners. Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again with another episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.